phone rings. Hello. It's another telemarketer, marketer. And you grumble and you and you say hello if you answer it all right. Hello, Mr. Hilton. Yes. This is Robert Jones with the Public uh, Clearinghouse. What is it? What is that called? Publishers Clearinghouse, right? And I'm calling to tell you that you have won $55 million. That's nice. The sweepstakes have been won by you. And I go, right. And click goes the phone. Because I wouldn't believe it. Why would I believe that? Somebody's just calling out of the blue just to get my attention for something else. And so I would probably not really believe that. I probably wouldn't even believe it if they came to the door and said I want it and even gave me a check. I still wouldn't believe it until it passed and cleared <laughs> at the bank. And that's really probably when it, were, it might start you know, to kick in. I'm kind of skeptical on a lot of things probably noticed that, but uh, really, you know, there were some people who believed, but they really didn't believe, that were near and dear to the Lord. And, you know, sometimes it's about disappointment. You've already been disappointed thousands of times when people have told you something, and it doesn't come true. And so sometimes we have a defense mechanism that says, yeah, sure, right. I don't believe it. Well, the disciples had good news told to them after Jesus resurrected, but they still didn't believe it. Right, sure, yeah, right, click. <laughs> you, had, you had the women who saw the risen Lord. You remember Mary Magdalene had seen the risen Lord. And Peter and John went to see what the deal was. They raced to the tomb, looked into the tomb. What did they see? Nothing but clothes that he was wrapped with. So they went back shaking their head. You know, it's like, maybe it is true. Maybe it's not. Well, I don't think they really believed it at all. I know that. Peter later did see... Jesus resurrected that day. I think he believed at that time. He told the others they kind of believe, but they don't really believe, you know. And that's the way that it went that day. And then suddenly, as they're locked into a room, their hiding place, all of a sudden they turn and they see, or right in front of them, is Jesus. Do they believe it? Not really. Not His personal appearance. It can't be. You see, He hadn't even opened the door. He was not there, and in a split second, a nanosecond, He is there. You know, no windows, no doors, everything's locked up, and all of a sudden He's before Him. Well, only a ghost can do that, right? So they say it's a ghost. But it's the risen Lord Jesus. And whenever He came there, He gave them words of comfort. Yet there was some mild rebuke of doubts there that they had. And He gives them assurance to strengthen them and their faith. And it says in Luke 24:41 that they still could not believe it for joy. <laughs> It, uh, it just seemed too good to be true. I guess that would be a good title. I've got how much evidence do you need? You know, Is there any other evidence to have? You know what? I think one of the strongest proofs of the resurrection is that the fact that the disciples were so prone not to believe it at first, I think that's great. You say, why? It's unbelief. Yeah, but you know what's good about it? It shows they really weren't expecting Him to raise from the dead. What's so good about that? Well, it shows they weren't in some kind of collusion and because they you know, had some kind of a wish to fulfill, so they're going to say it, say it enough where people will believe it, you know, even though it would be a lie. 
So they don't really believe it. So that really makes it really believable about his resurrection when they do finally believe. They don't believe the women. They don't really believe Peter. They don't believe the story about the angel. They do know that the tomb is empty. They do believe that. And then the Emmaus disciples, which we studied last week, they come there to tell them. They're all excited. Guess who we saw? And we'll find out that they don't get a tremendous amount of joy out of it because there was a lot of discussion going on. We'll get into that in a moment. But you know what? These disciples, in some ways, at least at this time, are not gullible men. They're just not going to believe just anything that's thrown out there. They're slow to believe. It takes some time. They're not gullible. They're not superstitious here in this sense. It took several appearances that people experienced and told them about it until they finally came to that where Christ did appear before them. So the thrust of our section today, verses 33 through 43, it's our Lord's gracious provision of ample physical evidence of His physical resurrection. And we have that today. And you look at this little story here. Uh, We know about other evidences of His resurrection, but this is incredible because it finally ties it down that it's true. And there will be more appearances. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You for being such a great awesome, holy God that You are and that You would reveal to us who do not deserve it. We are getting total mercy whenever You reveal who You are, what You're about, what Your plans are. The greatest thing that ever happened was the resurrection. The validity of that is amazing. And even skeptics have to give credence to the fact that some of these things they even have to believe. So Lord, as we look at this today, we may, be, may we be excited and be more of belief than ever before, even though we do believe in the resurrection. We've had all the proofs before us right here in Scripture. But make us more believing and that it would make us more vocal about who you are and what you did. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's uh, pick up our Bibles. Turn to Luke 24. Turn to verse 33. By the way, we are getting very close to the end of our study of Luke. It's been a blessing, hasn't it? But we're not going to finish it today. We have another week or two. At least two more weeks of this. I've got to take it out as far as I can. Verse 33, and they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found together together the eleven and those who were with them saying, The Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. They began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. While they were telling these things, He Himself stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they were seeing a spirit. And He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See My hands and My feet, that it is I Myself. Touch Me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when He had said this, He showed them His hands and His feet. While they still could not believe it because of their joy and amazement. He said, okay, one more. He said, have you anything here to eat? They gave Him a piece of broiled fish. And He took it and ate it before them. He could be seated. Wow. Precious section here God has given us. We're taking this right from the Lord, right? It's exciting. Christianity has something that no other religion has. As resurrection, we've already seen many facts of the resurrection. 
this closes it off. This is the last part, at least we have in, in Luke, about that. Anyway, number one, it's the same story from the eyewitnesses. They're all telling, even though they experienced it in, at different places, they're talking about the same thing. The risen Lord. He was not in the tomb. He's alive. They witness it from the the tomb itself as they looked there as they also had witnessed the angel and also the ladies that morning, that day, had experienced the risen Jesus Christ. They'd seen Him in the flesh. So going back to last week, we talked about the two disciples, the Emmaus disciples, and they were intercepted on the road by Jesus Himself. They couldn't identify Him because He meant it to be that way. So He could do that with His glorified body. He could make it recognizable or not recognizable. They couldn't wait to return whenever they found out it was the Lord Jesus Christ. He had opened up the Scriptures. And that's why they were able to know who He was as He taught. And then finally He ate with them as He broke bread. And they remembered the Word that was given to them. All the passages throughout the Old Testament. So they went immediately. As soon as Jesus just disappeared, He had appeared out of nowhere and He disappeared out of nowhere. Quickly. A nanosecond. They look. He's gone. What do they do? Do they wait around in the house and think, what should we do now? What's going on? They just rose up. And I will tell you, as they were eating at probably supper time, it's going to be seven miles. We're talking at least two hours. That would really be hot-footing it if, if you would make uh, seven miles in two hours. But I'm sure they're uh, doing a little bit of jogging as they go along. You know, They're going to get back and they're going to tell the eleven and uh, the women, whoever they can tell, that guess what? He was at our place. We walked with Him. They can't wait to tell people. How could they not? What else would they have done? I'm sure we would have gotten on our cell phones and made a call, right? They were when they got there, they weren't even able to get their words out first. They didn't get to tell it first. Um, see, there had already been an appearance to Peter before this. And he told that Jesus was arisen. So the eleven, that's what the group is called now, or ten plus Peter here at this moment, he tells them, and there are others there, I guess. And there they are, and they just got really the thunder stolen from them because they're talking about what the disciples have already heard about, and now they, they say they believe it here, but I don't believe that they believe it. <laughs> Verse 34, the Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. See, that's the the ones who were gathered there. The eleven, let's say. The apostles. And they're saying this as the two disciples come in. And they're saying, hey, guess what? Peter saw the risen Lord. So, all they can do is just add to the testimony that has been said. The Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. Then in 35, here's what they say. They began to relate their experiences on the road and how He was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. You know what? I think the, uh, the disciples were absolutely turned upside down emotionally. Uh, I, I think it's off the chart at this very point. They're, this whole weekend... It's been a nightmare. Jesus is crucified, you know, arrested, crucified. Uh, he's buried. Uh, and then they hear of these stories that He's resurrected. So they believe it, but they don't believe it as we see the rest of the story go through here. 1 Corinthians 15.5 tells us a little bit. Paul relates the uh, kind of the order of the appearances. Uh... 
the gospel we see is in verse 3, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. He had already he received the gospel from people previously, and this is within a very short amount of time. It had already been done. Here's what they were saying. It was like a creed that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. That was all said. It was uh, done in the Old Testament. It was written there. This has been fulfilled. So, very early in the church, matter of fact, I think it started right there, on that day that He rose from the dead. It became a fixture in the very, very early church in the first two years It was established. We know that that's the first message that they give. It's the only message. It's the Gospel. So verse 4 says that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Well, here we are, that very first uh, day of the week of the resurrection. We know He's already appeared to the women first. Mary Magdalene now appears to Cephas, or Peter, then to the twelve. The, which is really the group of the apostles. We get here, uh, sometimes it's called the eleven because we know what happens to Judas. We know that later after he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time. How many witnesses do you need? Two or three. We've got appearances to over 500 people over the time of, what, 40 days Plenty of evidence there. So, what's happening here? Why had the apostles gathered together at the end of 33? The two come to tell them about the appearance and they're found gathered together, the eleven. Why are they gathered together? Fear. That's why. Fear. Are you just giving your opinion, Dennis? Let's go to John 20, verse 19. Why are they scared? Tell that in a moment, but here's the deal. Here's why they'd be gathered. So it was evening on that day. Resurrection Day, on the first day of the week. Now it's evening. They're all together. And when the doors were shut, shut, where the disciples were, why? For fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Right? That's what we're reading in Luke there. Fear. They feared the Jews. Why did they fear the Jews? They are Jews. Well, if the Jews had killed Jesus, which they're the ones who are responsible, they would soon be after them. Because you got to quit a story real quickly. A story about Jesus, about His resurrection. So they'd be coming after them. But the Jews really wouldn't know too much about the disciples because they're very cowardly sometimes and they are here. Yeah, they're followers of Jesus. But, you know, they did know that when they went to Jerusalem that Jesus did say that He was going to die. They didn't really put that together, but they did say that. Do you remember what Thomas said? Hey, Lord, we'll go with You and die with You there. Really? Well, see, Jesus dies and they all hunker down in some place that's not known. And so, they think, this is going to happen to us. This is what happened to our leader. And we're His apostles, so here it is. They're going to be coming, we've got to hide. They heard the testimony of the women... They heard the testimony of Mary Magdalene. They heard the story of Peter. They heard the story now of the Emmaus disciples. And Jesus is alive. They go, they believe it, but not really. It's too good to be true. Somebody says that you won fifty-five million dollars. 
and they showed you that they even gave you a check. You believe it, but I don't know about this yet. I don't know. Well, they think really that this is nonsense. Come back to life, to resurrect. This is important that they have unbelief here. He said, Dennis, what do you mean? Well, they have no expectation of resurrection whatsoever. And that makes this story even more believable. How many people were expecting Jesus to resurrect? The women didn't even do that. They went there to anoint the body at the tomb. So that it was empty, right? We know the disciples don't believe it. So, makes this even more believable. You see how God is whenever He gives the Word of God to us? He makes sure in every little detail it's all nailed down. There are no holes whatsoever. Now in people's stories that they come up, even when it's true, sometimes the way that it's said or something happens, there are little holes that the other side can start trying to poke through. Matter of fact, that they can reinterpret it. People try to reinterpret the story of Jesus' resurrection, but they get nailed down every time you go to the Word of God. And they'll say, well, that your, that's your own writings. Yes, and it's absolutely the best. I'm not ashamed of it at all. There weren't too many people that would write a story about that because I got a feeling their freedom of speech would have been squelched. Don't you believe that too? If people would have come out with that. Matter of fact, the apostles did do that whenever they talked about the death, burial, resurrection. And they were arrested very early on, weren't they? But you know what? They couldn't deny that there is resurrection. If you're a Pharisee, Sadducees don't believe in a resurrection. They don't even believe in all the Scriptures. It's the Word of God, really. They would be called the liberals. Far left. Well, here we have it. News is spreading fast. You have a flood of emotion. It goes up and down. I believe it, but... I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I can't... I have trouble believing this. It's like having a newsroom full of reporters collecting facts on this breaking story. And they don't have to make anything up. Matter of fact, they're denying it. Good news travels fast though. Jesus has made His rounds today as on this day here. He had kind of been everywhere. And He walked the seven miles and then goes back to Jerusalem and shows up where the two meet the rest of the other disciples. The Lord is risen as appeared to Simon. Why would Simon lie? Right? So, the message of the Emmaus disciples is first preempted because there's somebody else that has a testimony. I'm sure they would love to sit at first. They couldn't even get it out. Jesus is alive! Hope remains. Well, come to the next section, number two. Jesus appears right in their midst. So let's go to that. Split second. 24, right? We're in 36 through 38. While they were telling these things, He Himself stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they were seeing a spirit. And He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? And He said, See my hands and my feet. Go to John 20 verse 19 again. We'll read that and also verse 26. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. 
The doors were shut. It's locked up. Nobody can get in unless they at least break through the door. You know how like FBI breaks into doors? You see on TV, you know, they just kick their foot right into the door and it bashes it. He didn't do that. He just appeared. Look at verse 26. After eight days, that's next week now, a week away, that uh, evening I guess, His disciples were again inside. They're still hiding out. (laughs) A week later, hiding out. And Thomas with them, Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst. Again, John says the doors were shut. John didn't forget that. He was there. It happened last week, and it's happening again. Deja vu. There he is. You can't deny it. I'm sure the eleven or the ten, because Thomas is still doubting when this happens. That's the story of him there. But, you know, they go, oh, we know who he is. This has happened before. (laughs) I don't think they're startled and afraid. Then he said to Thomas, who hadn't been there the week before, reach here with your finger. See my hands and reach here in your hand and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. See, they all been unbelieving. Thomas gets a bad rap. He's just one of those guys, oh, I won $55 million, right? Click. And I'm never going to pick up a phone again whenever I see that 800 number come up. Or 900 or whatever. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. He saw it. He felt it. You know, that is as factual as it gets. What, what more would you want? He's there. He's not a ghost. By the way, it's kind of interesting, you know, the, the hands and the feet. Uh, we didn't really get that before that he ex- we saw it in Luke 2. We said the same scenario. But before we never really were told about you know being nailed at... We know He's nailed at the cross. He's crucified. But did it ever get into the detail that we know what they did at crucifixions? Did it talk about putting the nails through his hands and through his feet, which is what they would do in a legitimate crucifixion coming during the time of the Romans? Crucifixions were very common those days. So that is what happened to him, just like all the other ones had been crucified. So for him, he has there to sh- these wounds to show that this was real. It did really happen. This is a body. Now it's a glorified body and you think, oh my, are we going to carry all these wounds that we have in our body now into our resurrection bodies? No. You won't. You will have it. But why does he have that? to remind them and to prove evidence. Could he have those wounds all throughout eternity? Probably could. It would always remind us of what he did for us, wouldn't it? Yeah. So anyway, but at this time, that's what he asks. We know that. And it's just another part of the proof. It's you know a body that's different because he can come through walls but he can show that here's what happened to me. Do you believe it now? If he didn't show the wounds, Thomas would be going, well, let me see your hands. Let me see your feet. Jesus even offers that. I'm going to show you my hands. I'm going to show you my feet. Look, look, look at these. And they go. And then he says, oh, you're still kind of unbelieving, aren't you? Okay, give me something to eat, right? That's what what happens there. They're, they're afraid. They're afraid at this time that this happens because as you look now back into Luke, don't ever take these passages for granted. We've read these passages for many, many years. We've heard it about it a lot. Don't take it for granted. See the wonder and awe that happens here as he says, peace to you, 
but they were startled and frightened and thought they were seeing a spirit. There you go. You see, they're still unbelieving. He's now standing before them and they don't really believe it's His physical body. Jesus actually appeared. Their belief, I guess you could say, is insufficient. The first words to the group are, Peace be with you. Because they are startled and troubled. Now, peace here is more than just the usual form of a greeting. Shalom. They would say that when they would see you, like we say, hey, how you doing? Hey, see you later. Right? Shalom. Hi. Bye. That was a greeting that they always used. Jesus says, Shalom. Peace be to you. It was much more than that. Because He Himself, with His presence, brings peace. He is peace. By the way, because we are believers and we have the Holy Spirit, we have something called the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. We have the peace of Christ within us. We have nothing to be fearful of. The next time you get a little frightful, realize who He is who lives in you. You have the peace of Christ. You have the fruit of the Spirit. Peace. Also, on that Friday night, or Thursday night, when they had the Passover, amongst the disciples there, how often did He say peace? Quite frequently. In John 14, 15, and 16. Peace. Because there's going to be a lot of turmoil in the next few days. But let's extend it out a little further. Like 2,000 years or more. There's going to be peace someday. We're even talking about a future peace. Don't you look forward to that kind of peace that is coming? Our world is getting rocked. But don't fear. Don't tremble. You can be joyous about it because God is doing His thing. We're His people. We have peace. So, He had already told about this and it was manifested through His Spirit. The peace of God and the presence of God are virtually inseparable. We have the presence of God amongst us here this morning. That's peace, isn't it? You know, it multiplies. Here's one up from what we just quoted in the confession earlier this morning about peace. It didn't say peace, but it's about the church. And the church comes together to worship God and also for us to be edified. We need that really bad, don't we? We need it constantly. Why do God's people come together? Because it's really important. That's why if you have in your bulletins there, that would be a good one to read later on today or some other time because that's biblical. And it's summing up what we believe about the church in just one little paragraph there and how wonderful it is as we come together as the body. The peace of Christ is multiplied amongst us as we come together as individuals into a group who have so much in common. So much. So, this is something that Jesus would do. Come in physically present and speak to them about peace. Because they're about ready to go down to the ground fainting. They're startled. The word there is suddenly startled. The ta'eo, 
And it means to be caught off guard. Caught off guard. They did not expect Him to come there. They never expected to see Jesus. He was really alive. They had, some of them had even professed it just a minute or two ago about Peter's experience. Why such a shock? If that's exactly what they're talking about. What are they talking about when He comes in? His resurrection. He comes in at the perfect time and what do they do? Oh man, they're, they're shaking in their sandals. If Jesus had greeted with a pronouncement of peace, why were they troubled? That's the opposite of peace. He has to tell us sometimes, it's okay. Peace be with you. You're right. I'm here. I don't see you. I'm right here. Isn't He always with us? You know what? He likes this when we're talking about Him. He is really, He's glorified if we're talking truth, His Word. Whether we be speaking or whether we be listening, we're all agreeing with this, aren't we? We're confessing this. He loves it. Nothing better than when saints get together and talk about our Savior Jesus Christ who rose from the dead. That's what they're doing. He comes in and they're scared to death. And the word is emphobos. Phobos. Phobia. Fear. It's continuing to be in a state of fear. More than one second Sometimes we get startled and it takes us a couple of seconds. Oh, okay. You know, you're sitting like, uh, let's say Debbie's in her office and I come in, she doesn't hear me come into the building. And I don't know if it's ever happened, Debbie, but, you know, uh, hey, Debbie, how you doing? Or open the door. You know, oh, well, I didn't know you were here. Has that ever happened? Oh, okay. Back in the other room. Yeah. <laughs> but as you would see me or somebody else, then it was like, Oh, it's over. I'm at peace. <laughs> okay, we're okay. Uh, but it means it kind of lingered on more than that just little shock for a moment. I mean, they're looking at it. And they think it's a ghost or spirit. The word for spirit there is pneuma. Uh even with the numerous reports of appearances, the idea that Jesus is alive and present is hard to accept. This is not normal. This is not natural. Uh, you take our empirical modernist of our time, days that there were so many skeptics, and there really still are, aren't they? Um, they were skeptics. The disciples were skeptics in a sense. You know, they knew Jesus existed. And okay, He's alive, but they still really don't believe it. It's a difficult truth to swallow. Just like answering the phone, click. A ghost. That's why they don't really believe this. They say it's a ghost. It's a spirit. They were frightened of ghosts. They believe in ghosts. <laughs> they believe in ghosts, but they don't believe in the resurrected Christ. Their emotions are just shooting all over the room. Man, they're, they are just trying to figure this out and they're having difficulty. Jesus knows that. He's going to get it cleared up very quickly. It's too bad that Thomas wasn't there with them. Well, anyway, they're frightened. They say it's a ghost. Why? Well, it's because of the locked door. The closed door means a locked door. It was not normal. But he entered the room in a normal body. He could have done some real fancy tricks, you know, with his body, sort of flying over them, you know, and maybe get it to where they, you know, 
they don't see him, and then they see him, and then he rattles some dishes or something, you know, to get them real free. You know, he could have played with them for a while. But no, boom, he's there. It says, peace be with you. Just like that. No games. Just does it. To calm them. But they weren't just troubled, startled. Um, they're doubting. Because it says, they thought they were seeing a spirit. He said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? That's why we keep saying that they're unbelieving. We as believers, can we unbelieve? Yeah. Lord, help my unbelief. We're weak. These disciples are weak. When we are weak, He is strong. This is our Savior come back to life from the dead and now making appearances. This is great. You've got to love it. The Greek word for doubts there refers to an inward reasoning and disputing amongst their own selves in your own mind. It's reasoning things and disputing it. Because of our fallen human nature, we are all prone to doubt the things of God. We do that. That's what they did. They'd seen Him for three years, walked with Him, talked with Him. They were really close to Him. They're still doubting the things of God. Fact is, it was easier for the disciples to believe in a ghostly Jesus than the real Jesus who's present with them in a body. It's easier for them to say, it's a ghost. Disciples thought they really believed. They said that they believed, 24-34, the Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. And they're going, Simon's not lying, he appeared to him. Do they really believe? You know what? In Mark's account, he tells us that Jesus later appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for the lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen Him after He had risen. Go to Mark 16 for a moment. Verse 14. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table. What do you do when you recline at the table? It's time to eat. What are they eating? Fish. Bread. And he reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, which we're reading about in in Luke, because they had not believed those who had sent him, who had seen him after he had risen. He appeared to those guys so they would finally go to the apostles so they could believe, and they're still not believing. But it shows the validity of the story of the resurrection, and it's not just made up. The apostles would have been the first people you would have thought to make up a resurrection story. No. They're out hiding in some place where the Jews can't get them. It's the opposite. Even the Roman soldiers were eyewitnesses. Not of seeing the risen Lord, but the empty tomb. So that's some more witnesses right there. That's really, really a good witness. Sealed tomb. The Roman soldiers... And they cannot sleep. They would have. They would have lost their jobs. They would have lost their lives. I don't know what happened to the soldiers afterwards, but whatever the deal was, they witnessed something too, didn't they? You're doubting. You're doubting. So we go to number three. Back to Luke, verse thirty-nine through forty-three.
Why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? That's a good lesson for us, isn't it? We doubt sometimes what the Lord can do. What He's doing right now. Is He changing our hearts a little bit more to just trust in Him? Do we trust our own ways because we feel a little more comfortable with doing our own way and our own past life that we've lived than really Jesus who is right in our midst. Matter of fact, He's not only standing there like He was before, that He's actually in us. See, the Holy Spirit has come into our lives as Christians. Why do we doubt Him and go back to our old ways? Why do we do the things that we feel comfortable with whenever He says, come on, i got something else to show you. This is what we do. Isn't it a shame? <laughs> do You know what He says? Confess it. Say you agree. And then He says, move on. That's over. Get on with it. Because there He says, okay, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? And I'm sure they're feeling really kind of bad now. Really guilty. And Jesus says, I'm done with you. <laughs> goes right on out. Uh, no, no, that version's... That, that's not there. He is so gracious. So merciful. So good. So loving. Isn't He? Does He do this kind of thing to you? Yes, He does. All the time. Every day. See my hands and my feet. He says, okay. Here, look. See these? That it is myself. It's me. Touch me. Okay, you can see it, but your eyes can play games. I want you to touch me. Touch my hands. And they see the wounds. Touch my feet. They see the wounds. That unbelief that they had is kind of going away. (laughs) See, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. This is not some kind of ethereal floating thing here. This is Jesus and His resurrected body. And when He had said this, He showed them His hands and His feet. But look at this. While they still could not believe... <laughs> Are you kidding me? They believe, but they don't believe... Well, they stood, still could not believe it because of their joy and amazement. He said to them, their joy and amazement, they, you know, they're believing it. They're still going, it's, it's, this is too good to be true. This is what He always told us. This is what Peter said. This is what Mary Magdalene said. This is what the women said. The Emmaus disciples have said it. Wow, this is great. Still, one more thing. Have you anything here to eat? He's got to finish it off. Top this off with a great dessert. Number three is here's the proofs that Jesus was in a resurrected body, not just in some kind of a spirit. Jesus invites them to determine once and for all to get this locked in. They'll never forget it again and not have this kind of doubt. Once and for all, it's going to be shown that this is true. He's offering Himself to be touched, to be handled. You see this? Is this for real? It's so you know it's so green. It it feels like it feels like kind of rubber, plastic. Green. There's this. How could it be this green? You know, I know it's a plant because people water this, (laughs) and. And I look here, and it does. There are brand new leaves on here. They weren't there last week. Right, Debbie? 
It's growing. It's real. I touched it. Now I know that this is a real plant in its physical form. It's not a fake. It's real. So, this is the crucified Lord Jesus, the marks of nails in His hands to prove He had gone the limit to overcome sin. He died for our sin. It's Jesus raised from the dead, isn't it? Pure and simple, without a doubt. Has He cleared all the doubts? He eats the fish here. See me. Feel me. Get flesh and bones. Look at His hands. Visible evidence. Touch. He says, use your senses. In fact, I'm sure He is almost wanting to say, use your brain. (laughs) You see, His former body was corruptible. His glorified body is not corruptible. It's capable of appearing and disappearing in a nanosecond. Whatever that is. Boom, he's gone. Boom, he's here. What does that tell us about bodies we will get? You think we'll need these fancy cars out here? It's like play toys. That time is gone. We won't need anything like that. Michael, we won't even need new batteries. We won't have batteries. You want to go someplace? Boom, boom, you're there. Just like that. You think it? You're there. That's pretty cool. That's what Jesus did. He's our brother in, you know, as far as being in Christ. We get what he gets. We are co heirs with Christ, as said in Romans 8. We'll get a body like His. We won't be Christ, but we'll be like Him. See Him as He is. Does that make you excited? You know, God doesn't report to us and make us blindly believe there is evidence there. There are matters that we need to think through. And the mind that He gave us is quite the gift to be able to understand now spiritual heavenly truths that we couldn't have before. Because He makes us come alive to Him. We were dead in our sins and trespasses. And just like that, we become believers because He came and intervened in our lives. He gave us the capacity though to reason these things. That's why we can use all the evidence. That's what He did. He kept giving evidence after evidence. And He already made it up to where it would be men burying Him in that tomb. He would already taken care of that. And then the, the guards to make sure that it wasn't that where people would say, yeah, but He really didn't die and He just got out of there, you know. Or, you know, He swooned or whatever. You know, all those stories. And boy, that's ridiculous. He accepts the broiled fish. He eats it. The fish probably came from the city there. They got city from the coast. They would bring it there. It would still be kind of fresh. And uh, he eats it. The meal's consumption destroys the disciples' short-lived ghost story. That was a hypothesis. Jesus is really in their midst, right there amongst them. He's come to have a final word and to lock it in on this momentous day. What a day it had been. The first day of the week, Resurrection Day. And now it's come to the climax where all the disciples now are convinced totally. That's why shortly, in 50 days, 48 days, they will go out and preach the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, 
the outermost parts of the earth because they've got something they know that happened. They wouldn't have done it if they were chickens and they were afraid, would they have? But now that they know that this is true and they are convinced, hey, listen, they kill me, where do I get to go? Right to be with Jesus. One day I will have a resurrected body. Jesus ate the fish. Final proof is given. By the way, our resurrected bodies will not require food or drink because we're thirsty or hungry. But we will have that whenever we so desire. So there's going to be a wedding banquet one day with Jesus Christ and all the believers in heaven and partaking of what we know to be uh, the cup and eating the bread anew in the kingdom. Jesus already had said that in Luke 22, 15-18. You know, there was a time when Abraham and Sarah, they were approached by actually pre-incarnate Christ. Abraham said, hey, let me fix you something to eat. And it showed that there, even he could eat back at that time. Pre-incarnate. Like an angel. Or like a man. But it was it was God. He later eats again on the beach. The uh, the apostles were there, and Peter, of course. He uh, had fish for them already. Had it made ready to eat. You know what? I got a feeling he didn't even put it on the grill. I think he just said, "There it is." Praise God. The best heavenly fish that one could ever eat. What a meal that must have been as they had that. The evidence, folks, is compelling. The disciples, as much as unbelieving as they were all the way through here, going, oh, those guys, what's wrong with them? They were convinced 100% by the time that he was done with it. Look, see, touch. And they're joyous, still a little bit of unbelief. And he says, hey, give me that fish. Eats that. They go, that's him. 100%. This is the most apparent by the change in their whole disposition. These experiences sealed the faith of the apostles, which they really needed. And later on, they went out They preached the resurrection with all the proofs. They saw many people believe. They saw a lot of people who didn't believe it. I'm sure they could understand that. What more proofs do they need though? And on the the day of Pentecost, the church was established on that day and the preaching of the death, burial, resurrection was done by Peter. He gave the proofs out of the Old Testament. And then he came to the convincing mode of, you did this. They were convicted. What must we do? Is what they ask. Because they were convicted and convinced There were 3,000 saved that day. And then 5,000 were saved. And then tens of thousands were saved early, early, early in the days of the church. What a glorious message they had. That's our message. He's risen from the... That's what the message has not changed. Don't worry. Even if it offends people, it's the truth. That's what matters. Give the truth. He was dead. He was buried. And it was raised on the third day. If there's other scriptures you can move with, with that, if they're willing, then go for it. But they were excited. And the church began to move to what 
to even this day, 2,000 years later, and it's still the true church is preaching the same thing. Believing the same thing. We all believe the same thing if we're His. And they all had given the same story. They just had a little unbelief. Jesus took care of that. That's what He's doing with us. He's taking care of unbeliefs. And the more and more you trust Him, and the more and more you read this, the more believing you become. Let's pray. Lord, truly, we believe that the Son, Jesus Christ, lived here on earth preached the gospel of the kingdom, did miracles. People believed, but the nation as a whole didn't. Jesus was crucified. He was dead. He was buried. And He rose again. Jesus is alive. We know that not just experience, but because of the Word of God. And just like the Emmaus disciples, the Word of God burns in our heart. Oh, that we would make a commitment to be in the Word more often. Just You, Lord, and the Bible. Help us to become more and more believing Help us to help each other to become more and more believing, to edify. And Your Spirit does that. Thank You for this morning. Thank You for that resurrection and that Jesus is alive. In His name, Amen.